Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto, home, life, business, RV, motorcycle, boat, whatever it may be. They will take care of your insurance needs. And not only that, they'll do everything they can to save you money. They are the best in the business. Great people who are great pros. And not only that, the Purdy Memorial Golf Tournament will take place August 10th, Susquehanna Valley Country Club to benefit the greater Susquehanna Valley YMCA. Get your team in now. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 to 15, Hummel's Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. Time now for our play-by-play call of the day. It's never been done before. An 8-5 triple play. High fly right center. Buxton chasing it. Making the catch at the wall. They've got a possible triple play. There's two. Now a throw to first will be a triple play. Byron Buxton catching it at the wall, and there will be three outs at the end of all this. A triple play will end the seventh inning. (laughs) On a drive that missed being a three-run home run by about ten feet. That's going to be a triple play! The White Sox implode as they run themselves all over the field, and Chicago only scores one run. They forgot that the best center fielder on the planet is in the game. And the White Sox run themselves out of a potential game-changing inning. That was embarrassing base running by the Sox. Uh, First call was on TV with Dick Bremer. The second call was the radio call with my good friend uh, Corey Provis. Uh, Corey's just a great guy. He's the radio voice of the Twins. I see Corey all the time on BTN. And it's been a tough... Uh, Corey's a great broadcaster, did a great job on that call, but it's uh, it's been tough for Corey. Corey grew up in Highland Park, Illinois, just so everybody knows. Oh, boy. Okay. All right. Now we're going to get to some football. I mean, you know... Everyone talk just very quickly. Um, we're going to get to Neil here in a second. Couple things. Oregon is Phil Knight. Remember, Oklahoma State has T Boone Pickens. Where are they? Okay. So that plays a role, but not as much as you think. Then there is this one. UCLA was in a world of hurt financially. World of hurt. And the um, 
the pandemic took $62 million out of their coffers. And, I mean, they got crushed by it. They also at one point had, on paper, a $280 million apparel deal with Under Armour. Under Armour pulled out. UCLA recovered partially with a seven-year, $46, $47 million deal with Nike. My apologies. Six-year, $46, $47 million deal with Nike. Now, that's $230 million less than the other deal. At least they recovered. I want everybody to remember this about shoe deals and the like. Shoe deals are going to be very different, I think, moving forward from this particular day. Why? Now, they're apparel deals. I mean, so the uniform, T-shirts, all the apparel, yeah, all that's going to be there. But they may be worth less for this reason. What's to keep a high school kid from now getting a shoe deal with somebody, and they go to school, and they're going to wear their shoes? That's why you're going to see some, like, the shoe deals are going to be lucrative, but maybe not quite. Just thought I'd throw that out there as food for thought. Yeah. I think Michelle Mertzi had a shoe deal, but it was with Louboutin. That was a different thing. All right. um, Let's... <laughs> Let's get to Neil Kulong. Uh, we've been talking about great brands. Neil, you are a great brand. Welcome. It was a fantastic compliment. Thank you very much for having me and for saying that as well. Well, it's uh, you know I mean that. All right. Um, so here we are in this the lull before the training camp storm begins. So give me Neil what a couple questions going in that you feel need to be answered uh, by the time they get to the regular season? Number one, um, for for the Steelers, I think it, 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 I'm trying to think of the, the best way to put this, but do you have your quarterback? And there isn't really an option for them anymore, and they, they've searched high and low. <laughs> they went through mm-hmm. every option they could possibly have found mm-hmm. uh, through every avenue available. <clears throat> Do you have the quarterback? And to, to paraphrase Bill Parcells, when you have two quarterbacks, or three in this case, you have none. So you have to find out if one of them is head and shoulders above the others. And I don't know if we're going to see that. If I was to make a prediction right now, I think what's going to end up happening is you'll see a Steelers offense that probably isn't particularly outstanding uh, in training camp and in the preseason, and you'll see Kenny Pickett make more head-turning plays than Mitch Trubisky. And with that, the, the legitimate question will be, should Trubisky be the starter? Should it be Pickett? Um, and a lot of these, it, it, it goes down a rabbit hole of more questions 
that you probably can't uh, answer just through you know observation of the game. There's a lot that's going on uh, inside that you aren't sure about. But it, it will really make you wonder if this team does have one quarterback, and in which case, if you have that question, as, as Parcells would say, you don't have one. So um, it, I, I can see that being a primary concern of theirs to the point where I think Trubisky is probably just going to be the anointed starter, and they're going to roll with that to, to the degree that they have to. They paid for it. Um, I don't think that they anticipated Pickett being uh, available to them in the draft. And with that, they'll go with the guy that they signed because that was the plan. They're, they're designing an offense based around um, I, largely, I, I would think anyway, um, Trubisky's ability to run uh, RPOs, not something that, that Pickett is unfamiliar with, but uh, Trubisky has experience with that at the NFL level. And I think they built up an offensive line and um, a, a run game to support that style of play. So I, I think they'll go with them, but I'm just not sure how great it's going to be. And if that offense can't move the ball, it leads to question two, how healthy can you keep the rest of your defense? Um, how much of them are we going to see? I think, in, in all fairness, Cam Hayward sacrificed the year off of his career with how hard he had to play the first half of the season, and he was dragging at the end of it. He was legitimately um, a, a defensive player of the year candidate for the first you know, eight games, maybe ten games, somewhere in there. Um, he had zero help, zero. And the, the the amount of effort that he had to put into it, you could see it. And it, it fell apart uh, in their short week game, which is really unfortunate that a team as shallow as the Steelers had to play their short week game late in the season. Um, that it, it, His worst game in maybe three years was that Vikings game. Uh, he really did not play well for, for the first half of that. And it was maybe the only bad game he's really had uh, in quite a while. I wonder if they are deeper now. They, they have made additions to that. I think um, Larry Ogunjobi is, is a great signing. I think a very smart move of them to pick him up, um, kind of a bargain basement price for a player of his ability. But they needed to add some depth on that defensive line. Montrevious Adams re-signing I think is also a great move. Um, when you have Tyson Alualu coming back, I think their defensive line got a lot better. They certainly shuffled things among their linebackers. Um, probably question number three, what do you have with Devin Bush? Is he a legitimate uh, NFL starting caliber player? And that's really unfortunate that you have to ask the question that way. And that kind of answers it in, in, in its own way. But you, you've got to get more out of him clearly, not just because he's, he's a number 10 overall pick, but uh, because you can't play defensive football with that poor of, of uh, inside linebacker mm-hmm. um, playing 900-plus snaps. They, they clearly have made coaching additions to help with that. I, I think I, I would bet on him bouncing back because I don't know if a player in the NFL can have back-to-back seasons as bad as Bush's was. Um, you hope for their sake that they can get it together because Honestly, if the defense is not playing at a top-five level, their offense is not going to carry them. Um, I, I don't think they have an offensive advantage outside of maybe two, three games all year uh, over their opponent. They're going to have to win games uh, on defense and just simple fundamental hang-on-to-the-football-style offense. That's not a great recipe for success at the, in the NFL, but if they want to get to nine wins in what's a, a brutally tough division, 
their their defense is really going to have to play above and beyond what's already a really talented unit. Um, and I think number four, and this affects uh, three teams in the division, but how long is Deshaun Watson's suspension? How many games yeah. are you going to be able to play against the Browns without Watson, who right now it, it would seem um, – it, it, the, the backup would be Jacoby Brissett. It, it's going to be – Cleveland's probably got the best roster in the NFL. I, I think they are it, – at the, the most important positions, I think they're the best. Um, I, I like their coaching staff. Um, I have some familiarity with, with a lot of the guys who are there. I, I think they do a good job in that regard. Uh, Watson, though, was brought in to be the, the straw that stirs the drink for obvious reasons. He's a high-level player, at least he was the last time we saw him play. Um, getting past everything else that comes with it. Um, if, if he is on the field, they are fundamentally a better team. I don't know how good they are with Jacoby Brissett, but nobody would rather play the Browns with, with uh, Watson under center than Brissett. So uh, is that a factor? And from there, um, you know, it, how many how many games does Joe Burrow miss? <laughs> how many uh, times do you not sure. have to play Joe Burrow in Cincinnati or the, the, the multitude of weapons that they have? Um, where is Baltimore? I mean, it, it, we can twist this around whatever way we want. Mm-hmm. It's really hard for anybody to suggest the Steelers do not have the fourth best roster um, within this division. And if you got to win, call it even three games within the AFC North, that's tough. You know, you, you swept Cleveland last year, mm-hmm. you swept Baltimore two years in a row now. Is that going to continue? You got utterly decimated by Cincinnati twice two humiliating one two worst division losses they've had in in a while um just last season is that going to change you got to get you got to probably take at least one off of all of them um and you have to sweep one of them i think to to win that division so uh are you at a point that you can do that uh schematically tactically because i don't think from a talent perspective they're they're just going to be able to do that uh they got baltimore and cleveland last year that the second of two wins against those teams were uh, depleted versions of both of them. I, you're not going to have that advantage again. And Cincinnati is, you know, a, a team that walloped you twice. So I, I don't know um, if they can pick up those wins or what they're going to do, but it, it's going to take more than just the guys who are out there. Neil, for a, a coach that has a long resume, when you've seen them in action for years and years, you get an idea of how they think about personnel and also when it comes time to make a decision on a quarterback what's their thought process Bill Cowher's the one that elevated Ben Roethlisberger not Mike Tomlin does anybody have any insight as to what he's thinking as we watch this play out because he really hasn't had to do this before I think that's an excellent question an excellent point I remember thinking that a couple years back if you look at the most successful tenured coaches I don't know what level of tenure you want but Tomlin has it um, Belichick is another comparison uh, who's going through the same thing right now these are guys that uh, the overwhelming majority if not the complete uh, uh, sum of their NFL head coaching experience was with a Hall of Fame level quarterback who was firmly entrenched um, in not going anywhere the, the success that they had um not coincidentally came at the time where the the Hall of Fame quarterback was playing in their prime. How do you adjust that? And I think the only real fair answer to that is I think if if you knew 
you'd probably, you know, from age 22 to 89, you'd be the head coach of an NFL team. If you were able to just do that, you wouldn't have a problem. Um, so much of it, I think, is, is just it's random it's luck um it's it's the combination of so many different things it it, i don't want to call it an accident but you almost have to fall into the situation you know there was a point in time people didn't worship the ground andy reed walked on Mm -hmm. you know he was seen as kind of a, a almost a um borderline mike mccarthy type of coach they they didn't like the guy, he, he he wasn't really able to get all these things done. Um, it, at the very least, he seems pleasant enough, but he doesn't bring with him success on his own. He can't do all of this. Andy Reid is is you know he's glorified now. He's worshipped now. Mm-hmm. Um, in in large part, he got the right quarterback to fit what he was doing, and he got the quarterback. He adjusted around the quarterback that he has. So he, those are two different skills. You have to have the framework of what you want to do as well as the ability to flip it around to do the things your quarterback is good at. And the, the genius of what Kansas City has done uh, with Patrick Mahomes as well as Andy Reid is they put the right kinds of players along with them. And to do that, you have to draft well. You have to, to recruit well in free agency. You have to keep costs down to a certain point. You have to allocate resources to the key players that you need. So you have to know which ones that they are. I would argue, and I think we'll see it this year, and certainly call me out if I'm wrong, I don't think you're going to see Tyreek Hill in, in, in the same light that we've seen him the last couple of years. Agreed. Because Tyreek Hill is, is such a unique player, a uh, very talented player, don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying Mahomes made him. But Tyreek Hill, next to Antonio Brown, I think is probably the most conditioned NFL player I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. The guy ran, I mean, you have to watch a lot of it. Mahomes the genius that Mahomes has, I mean, his arm is, is fantastic. He does all these Farvian type things as, as well. <laughs> he got out of the pocket and he could throw from windows that you didn't think existed. And he just flicks the ball 75 yards down the field. But you look at Hill, Hill is running a designed route. The whole play was designed on Tyreek Hill literally running 75 yards to the outside of the field, then back to the inside of the field to exhaust the defender. <laughs> Nobody can keep up with the guy over a long period of time. He's like a 400-meter sprinter. So Mahomes buys himself enough time and has the arm and the angle ability to, to get it to this odd place on the field. It, it's just kind of different for, for defenses to cover. Uh, their big plays came off of that. I didn't see Ty, the same Tyreek Hill last year. Right. And I don't think the Chiefs are, are far off from the conclusions that I draw on my own. I think that's why they traded him. He's not going to be the same guy anymore because you can't keep that up. You know, people can't run at that, that level uh, for all that long of a period of time, certainly not in the NFL. So as far as the the coaching goes, you have to adapt and adjust to the right guy and getting the right guy, then adapting and adjusting. These are all things that are not exactly in your control. There's a bunch of things that have to come with it. So I don't know what Tomlin is going to do, except they're, they're going to try to adjust what they're doing offensively for what they have. I think just, this is me. I think we're going to be talking a lot about the RPO this year. Um, you should have last year. You saw the Steelers mm-hmm. try to run RPO last year, mm-hmm. not a strength of Ben Roethlisberger's, not something that he was really comfortable in doing. Um, Trubisky, I think is better at that. So it, it's not going to be a, a vertical 
challenging kind of offense, but I think it will be more efficient. I think you will have better successful balance between uh, your passing and your running. It's just, it's probably still going to be shorter. It's not going to be incredibly explosive, but I also think that that it's, it's the smart move for what they have. It's the right move. That's what they should do. It's not going to carry with it an extra touchdown a game. And that's because the personnel just isn't there yet. And as a coach, to, to the degree that you know we're discussing this, you can only play the hand that you dealt. And that's kind of where they have. That's where they are. That's what they have. This is why they drafted Kenny Pickett. This is why Mitch Trubisky only got a two-year contract. You, you went and brought a bunch of offensive linemen in. I think that that fit more of that style of play, which was smart. They're doing the best that they can do. I just I don't know how good this team is going to be right now. I like the foundation of what they're building. Um, it's just not going to be much of anything offensively. I think defensively they'll be good, but they haven't solved it yet on offense. My friend, thank you so much. As always, appreciate your time, especially in the summer. You make it more interesting. Thank you. Definitely. Thanks for having me, guys. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto, home, life, business, RV, boat, motorcycle, whatever it may be. They'll handle it all, plus other services as well. They are great pros or even better people. Boy, I like the people at Purdy. Great people. And uh, the Purdy Memorial Golf Tournament is coming up on August 10th next month, five weeks away, at the beautiful Susquehanna Valley Country Club to benefit the greater Susquehanna Valley YMCA. And... uh, You can get to get involved. Get your team involved now. And that is at our good friends at Purdy Insurance. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Uh, let's see. Uh, Patrick Kraft. Announcing Vinnie James and Adam Miller to the executive team. James will serve as the deputy athletics director for internal operations. Miller will be the deputy athletics director for external affairs and engagement. Both worked with him at Boston College, so two people on that team he knows so well. Dr. Lauren Rhodes will be the deputy athletics director for student athlete welfare and development. Lynn Holleran. Deputy Athletics Director for Administration, Scott Sidwell, Deputy Athletics Director for External Operations, will continue with their roles on the executive team. Okay, so those announcements were made today. All right, a lot to go over. Again, as I said a year ago, when Oklahoma Texas, I said, don't panic, you're the Big Ten. The Alliance thing was panic. I'm like, well, what are you doing? Uh, but they didn't make a move, which was so smart. And I'm hearing, ah, bring in Iowa State. Add nothing. 
Kansas had nothing. They won the national championship in basketball. It doesn't matter. Hey, it matters, but it doesn't matter in terms of why you add Kansas in. And that's not why you do it. This is about brands and markets and TV and TV. And, again, because you're a big brand, people are going to want to stream. Penn State's playing USC. Do you think that's going to draw a number? Whether it's streaming or TV, it's going to draw a number. It's what it's about. And this is, you know, we go back to what, you know, I mean, Fox is a big driver in this. Huge. Stanford is a brand we all respect, but it's not a brand that drives people to TV sets, and it's not a brand that commands the San Francisco market. BC is a wonderful school, but in Boston, they're an afterthought. You try hard, but you're still an afterthought. It's about the Patriots, the Red Sox, the Celtics, and the Bruins. Now, the ACC is right now surviving. These long-term deals with the grant of rights is a big that that that's the big plus. The Big Twelve. What's interesting about the Big Twelve is this, and we're going to have Mark Fowler on the show on tomorrow. We have Tony Knopp and Mike DeCourcy on this. Thursday, we're going to have Mark Fowler on the show from the Arizona Republic, and Mark and I go back forty-five years. He doesn't want to admit that, but we go back 45 years. And we'll get a read on you know the Pac-12 and a read on Arizona and Arizona State from him. Um, I know they're saying, well, you're going to be um, you know, we want to get a hold of the Big 12. Who in the Big 12 do you get a hold of? Bob Bowlesby? I guess. He's still the commissioner. Your Mac doesn't take over till August 1st. And there's no power athletic director to call. Are you going to call Joe Castiglione at Oklahoma? No, I can't. They're going to the SEC. Are you going to call Tex? No. They're going to the SEC. There's no power play. There's no power player among the athletic directors that you can call in that conference. Maybe a mutual friend, but not a power player. You know, in the old days, you know, okay, let's give Joe Castiglione a call. He can kind of open up the doors, maybe grease the wheels, and see if we can get some conversation going here. You don't have that in the Big 12 right now. So, just thought, you know, just thought I'd, you know, mention that. And... In case you're wondering, UCLA is an AAU member and USC is an AAU member. And Nebraska's trying to get accreditation to return to being an AAU member. Whether they're there or not, I don't know. All right. So let's uh, get another read on this. Let's go to the south now. Let's get Reginald Walker down in Charlotte to join us. Always a pleasure to spend any time with you, my friend. Thank you, sir. And, and the other positive is going out to dinner with Steve Jones. He never gets alligator arms, always reaches for the check. <laughs> so go with Steve Jones. He flashes the Max Scherzer money at dinner. 
<laughs> Maybe not to that extent, but yeah, I've been known to like say, yeah, it's my turn. All right. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, Nobody knew about this except maybe the highest levels at Fox and maybe the highest levels at USC, UCLA, and, and the Big Ten. Nobody knew about it till John Wilner broke the story last week. When you found out about it, what was your immediate reaction? It was two things, uh, actually three. Uh, the first thing was, well, who called each other first? UCLA called USC or USC called USC, UCLA? That's an interesting question in and of itself. Uh, the second thing I thought of was the, the expanded reach, obviously, of the TV markets. And the third I thought was, I knew there was movement, or there was going to be more movement. That was not what I expected from the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Um, and so kudos to Kevin Warren. And, that, and then so then you immediately go into, like, research mode, like, where, 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 where are things going? And, and you think about it. Once USC and, and UCLA come into the Big Ten, think about this, Steve. Five out of the top ten media markets are immediately – in the Big Ten footprint, you got mm-hmm. New York, right? That's the Rutgers tie. Uh, that's that's market one. Uh, market two is L.A., right? USC, UCLA. We just talked about that. Market three, Chicago, obvious there. Market four is Philadelphia, right? That's that's Penn State territory um, all day long. And then depending on which service you look at, market ten uh, is D.C., which is where Maryland sits. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, you see five of the top ten markets uh, it, because this is about media rights deals. So you see five of the top ten markets. That tells you a lot of, of what they're trying to do. So uh, then the next thing you look at is who's next. Well, I'm, I'm going to give everybody a little bit of an, an insight as to that. Market 11 is Phoenix. That's the Arizona schools. Mm-hmm. Okay, market 12 is Seattle. That's Washington. Um, and theoretically Oregon, right? You can just sort of lump them in there. Uh, Denver is market 16. That's where Colorado sits, right? So those are three I think you watch to see whether they end up in the rumors. The latest rumors are they're going to end up in the Big 12, um, with the exception of maybe Washington and Oregon. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, but, but you start looking at what are the TV markets and who's going to acquire what TV markets. And for the Big 12, I'm sure they're going to be looking and going, we might as well get Utah because we already have BYU coming. Yeah. That'll keep our foothold on that market. So uh, it's going to be interesting to watch. Watch market 16 in Denver, uh, what happens with the Colorado yeah. Buffaloes. Yeah, good points, uh, because to me, this is not just about markets. It's also about brands. USC yeah. and UCLA you know, brought heavyweight brands to a heavyweight brand conference. In other words, I'll give you an example. Stanford. Stanford and Cal, yes, they're in the number, whatever, five, six TV market in the country, San Francisco, Oakland, San Jose. Right. BC is in Boston. Another heavyweight market. But you and I both know they don't bring the brand – the brand doesn't doesn't line up with the market. Correct. It's 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 about brand equity and, and what that brand equity does for you from a TV standpoint. And and, and I'll take it right back to TV. Uh, just think about this. Let's look at perhaps the last week of the regular season, right? For instance, um, all of a sudden you look up and you've got something like you've got Michigan, Ohio State, obviously um, at noon, perhaps on on Fox, right? Mm. Then all of a sudden your three thirty game can feature a USC team that comes east, right? Or a UCLA team that comes east. right? And then that late game at 7.30 or 8 o'clock can feature I'm going to make this up. What if it's Penn State at UCLA? Right. That that I mean, that's going
going to right. get eyeballs at 7.30 on yeah. Saturday night, the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. That, that is what the game is about right now. Yep. And so now you look at this conference, and they can touch the Eastern time zone, the Central time zone, and the Pacific time zone, which that will sweep in some of the mountain time zone as well. All of a sudden, you've got the entire country covered, yep. and you can do three games in those windows on one network with a conference. All right, so let's go down to your neighborhood now. Obviously, the ACC grant of rights runs through 2036, and it's a hefty number. But what have you heard, if anything, about Clemson, North Carolina, maybe even Georgia Tech, Florida State? What have you heard anything down there about that? And I don't don't mean to the Big Ten, maybe the SEC. Yeah, nothing overly definitive. Everybody's nervous. Everybody's looking around. I think I think one of the things we're going to see is some added pressure on Notre Dame. I don't think they're going to crack necessarily right now. I believe their NBC deal runs until 2025 it does. or through 2025. Yeah, so they don't have to move yet, right? That allows them to sort of stay where they are. But I, I think Clemson's looking around. I think North Carolina's – they're all trying to figure out how do they stabilize. Now, here's the issue um, – when you talk about the situation that everyone is in, right? It's it's markets and what they bring. And if you really, really think about it, um, none of the big four in North Carolina sit in Charlotte, right? So the biggest market is Raleigh. Right. And then you go down to some of the other ACC programs down in Florida, Coral Gables, Miami, okay, I'll give you that one. But Florida State is not in a, Tallahassee is not like it's a top 50 media market. Um, Pitt is in the top 50, but again, that's not the stranglehold of, of, of the entire league. It's not concentrated mostly in that area. You mentioned Boston College earlier and Syracuse as well. They get eyeballs in their cities, particularly Syracuse, but in Boston, Boston College, with all due respect to that fan base, they're the third or fourth or fifth thing that people are paying attention to in Boston. So you look at those types of things, everybody in the ACC, from what I understand, is sort of looking around trying to figure out what's next. Um, they do realize they have that grant of right, that, that, that media rights, the grant of rights, I should say, um, through 2036, as you mentioned. But the question there is, if a bunch of schools plan to leave, who are you going to make pay it? Exactly. And that, that look, uh, it was looked at that the right now the Pac-12's value has gone from forty-two million a school down to thirty million a school just in one move, uh, and the Big Ten is about to get a big kick up. So, I, Tara Vanderveer, I you know we all have great respect for her as a coach, but she's saying I don't see how the travel and the money for Tara. You're going into the assumption you got forty-two million. They're going to have a hundred. Okay, there's plenty. There's enough money in the budget to travel. Uh, so, okay, Michael Martin is the president of Gulf, Florida Gulf Coast University, who, by the way, just hired Pat Chambers as their basketball coach a couple months ago. When he was the president, my apologies, the chancellor at LSU, he spoke to the Knight Commission for three hours in October 2011. And he said, I think ultimately what will end up will be two enormous conferences. This is 2011 he said this. Two enormous conferences. One called ESPN and one called Fox. How prophetic was Michael Martin in 2011? Uh, spot on. And, and it comes that and, and, you know, you sort of look at it and you think back and you go, eh, eh, a lot of people may have kind of half-heartedly dismissed him, half-heartedly understood where he was coming from. 
But now you look at the landscape. Remember, CBS is essentially walking away from the SEC, right? NBC has Notre Dame. Who knows what that looks like three years from now? Um, so all of a sudden, you look at the networks. You look at where the money is coming from. There's only two that are writing really, really big checks. There are only two that need that sort of where can we find that content, right? Where do we find a way to fill all these hours of television we have? And so what happens on the back end of that is you get a bunch of people uh, that are going to get some cheaper real estate. And, and, and so I would be curious to watch, um, to that point, watch CBS and watch NBC oh. if they walk away from the Notre Dame deal and how they can perhaps take some of these smaller conferences and build them up with without costing a lot of money. Reginald, I think what's going to happen is that NBC is going to do what they can to keep Notre Dame. Right? Yeah. But I think what you're going to see is CBS is going to fill the void at 3.30 with the Big Ten, and NBC is going to do a primetime Big Ten game. I think that's where they're going to shift. And Fox is not going to go after the Pac-12. They're not going to go after the Big 12. They're going to save their money, and they're going to go after a chunk of the college football playoff. That's my guess. How about how about that for let's throw darts against the wall and see, see which one sticks? Well, I think, that, I think that's, that completely lies in the hands of whether or not the college football playoff expands. I think basically what we're seeing is that they're going to have to expand. If these conferences are going to be this big, mm-hmm. that playoff is going to have to expand. Now, the other thing that I think is interesting, Stephen, and I think this is something I'm sure – you're keeping an eye on as well is how these conferences are trying to get away from divisional play. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. and, 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 and I keep telling everybody, I understand what they're trying to do in making sure they get quote the best two teams. There's still a chance you're not going to get that because what <laughs> if they don't play each other and all of a sudden you look up, because remember these conferences are, they're bordering on 18, 20, 22 deep. I know. Right. Yep. There's a chance that three teams that don't play each other all go undefeated. And then what's the solution? And and that's where I think this game gets a little murky as it relates to the playoff and how you get those teams in. As you know, I've said this to you a million times. As a player, all I want to know is what do I have to do to get to where I want to go? And at least in the way it's set up, at least over the past few years, with divisions in each conference, I know win my division, win my conference championship game, and I've got a chance to play for a national championship. The way these changes are going, that may not necessarily be the case. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much for your perspective. Really appreciate it. Talk soon. Absolutely, and uh, I guess next time it'll be my turn to pick up the check. Nah, I'll still, I'll still pick up the check for you. You're worth it. <laughs> <laughs> You're worth it. Thanks, Reginald. <laughs> Anytime. Reginald Walker. Tomorrow, Tony Knott, Mike DeCourcy. Mark Fowler, Arizona Republic on Thursday. Great to have you with us. We'll wrap it up in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Mm-hmm. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory trained techs take care of 
of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections. Quick Lane, 630 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 630 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury. And Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the... Mm. Out of auto repair. All right. So let's see what now that the Big Ten is going to go through this. They got a couple of years to make this transition as to whether you want to go one through sixteen, uh, whether you want to pod. Uh, see, that's one thing. As much as we may pine for the old days, when something comes up like this, you've got to be able to look at it and go, you know what, home run, adapt. I mean, that's how I look at it. I, I mentioned earlier Dave Jones of the Patriot News wrote wrote a column that you know he just doesn't like this and it's about money and so forth. And really, and Dave's completely entitled to his opinion like I am, so I'm not here to, in any way to knock Dave's opinion. That's, no. Uh, Dave's entitled to how he feels. I mean, because, I mean, you know, let's face a lot of this is about money, but there's a reality out there. The reality is you can't make anything happen in your, quote, business unless you have money. Uh UCLA was hemorrhaging. Let's say use now. I'm not quite sure what USC being a private school. What their, their attendance was down for football. The Coliseum, the attendance has gone from being sellouts in the Pete Carroll era to now. I don't know, playing at about 35,000, 40,000 fans a game. The TV contract isn't great. The Pac-12 network doesn't help at all. And then there's UCLA. UCLA hemorrhaged money during the pandemic to the tune of $62 million. They lost their $280 million contract with Under Armour. They, they pulled out. Did another deal with Nike for seven years at forty-six and a half million, which of course is about two hundred and thirty-three and a half million less than they thought they were going to get from the old deal. So they needed to do this for all the student athletes.